Greetings, family. Welcome to today's podcast. AA meeting, unofficial. I'm not a representative of Alcoholic Anonymous. I am a member individually. I'm also uh, an American citizen. I'm also a Mexican-American. I'm also an Amway distributor. (laughs) I'm also a former mechanic, a real estate agent, insurance agent, stocks, um, notary public. I'm also a former convict, uh, 30 times to juvenile hall. And I got children that I, grandchildren that I don't know. The mother doesn't want me to see them. So I am perfect. Perfect for the way this world contaminated with uh, wrong actions. Thank God for Alcoholic Anonymous is contaminated with right actions. And it's just a choice. Open heart. Now I know where to go so I can do right. I knew how to do right, but I didn't know where to get the power. When I went to AA, 12 Step, thanks to the courts that sent me, I received that power that I longed for, to discipline oneself, to drag oneself to a meeting where where truth, honesty, and power can engage. And I, when I made a decision to stop drinking, I had the power to back that off from on high. Yes, God removed the obsession, but God also gave me the power to be committed and to watch out for dangerous people, places, and situations. Let's go ahead and pray, please. I'm Fernando, alcoholic. Let's do our serenity prayer, please. God... Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Amen. We're going to read an article before we get started from a booklet called Grapevine, January 2020, Coming to Believe. And I opened it up randomly, and I it's called AA News. It's talking about the big book and its journey. The making of the book, Our Great Responsibility, a selection of Bill W.'s General Service Conference Talks, 1951 uh, uh, through 1970, the General Service Conference Talks. Julia D., an editor in the AAWS Publishing Department, as well as longtime AA members, spent the better part of the past two years working on the latest AA book, Our Great Responsibility, a selection of Bill W.'s General Service Conference Talks. Here is her story of the journey of the book. In the fall of 2016, I started work as a freelance project manager on Our Great Responsibility At that time, work on the book, then called Unity in Action, was well underway. The talks were already transcribed and beginning to be organized into a book format. I liked liked the uh, first title, Unity in Action. That was probably Bill W.'s choice. The history and preface chapters were just being written. Upon reading the transcripts for the first time, Bill reminds us that the founding of AA itself and the creation of the big book wasn't pretty either. Anybody who thinks that those of us who prepared the book were people running around glowing with inspiration and clothed in white robes is very, very much mistaken. 
I won't deny that we were very high and enthusiastic and excited, and certainly we must have been somewhat inspired, but in other respects, we acted like hell. He's humble even about AA, saying that in no circumstances should we feel that Alcoholic Anonymous is the know-all and do-all of alcoholism. But while humility is essential to our recovery and our primary purpose, it must be put into action if we are to carry the message to help the still-suffering alcoholic, which is our responsibility. And where am I with that? Am I really going out of my way to extend my hand or doing only what the Spirit moves me or when it suits me? Bill recounts an anecdote of a visit from a doctor who's been sending lots of folks to AA, but who found many were coming back. The doctor says that one man came back and reported that they'd gone to a few meetings, but it hadn't worked for him. What was the doctor's response? Of course, the fellow didn't really try hard enough, but Bill didn't agree and instead commented and said, maybe this was pretty partly because nobody went out of their way to make friends with him. Loving friendship is a part of the sponsorship. I felt that one, sure. I'll give my phone number when I ask, and I'll sponsor the enthusiastic woman who hits bottom, willing to go to any lengths. But what about the ones who doesn't seem like she's wants it enough? Isn't that just one more of my own preconceived notions? Am I compassionate and loving even when, or maybe especially when it doesn't come easily? It would seem to me that responsibility begins where convenience ends. Clearly working on this book struck a few chords with me, and my hope is that you will find the same. A few months ago, I penned this passage from page 84 on the new book, that is, to be my bulletin board. This is what I pinned. As we know, all AA progress can be reckoned in terms of just two words, humility and responsibility. Our whole spiritual development can be accurately measured by our degree of adherence to these magnificent standards. What are the standards? Humility and responsibility. Ever-deepening humility accompanied by an ever-greater willingness to accept and to act upon clear-cut obligations. These are truly our touchstones for our growth in this life of the Spirit. They hold us to be the very essence of right being and right doing. It is by them that we are enabled to find and to do God's will. Maybe I can let you know in a few months how I'm doing with that. Julia D. from Westerfield, New Jersey. Amen. In other words, folks, I, Fernando, eat crow and ask the newcomer for their phone number and be adamant. And get their number down. I said, let me call you so you'll have my phone number, I tell them. (laughs) Be wise as a serpent and keep texting the guy. And I had a guy that said he was going to come and beat my ass because I was texting him so much. A salesman that dropped by. Today he has 11 years and we're both speaking. He's speaking one week, I'm speaking the next. One great friend today. Yep, we're going to get bloody in this. They're going to steal from us. They're going to talk about us. They're going to try to take our wives and our money. They're frozen snakes, just like we were, connivers. But we have, an, we have the group. 
and we have experienced guys. And we tell them, go to the group and see, see if the group's information can challenge the person. All right, let's move on. Our next story is from Daily Reflection, September 16. It says, we stand or fall together. No society of men and women ever had a more urgent need for continuous effectiveness and permanent unity. We alcoholics see that we must work together and hang together, else most of us will finally die alone. Alcoholic Anonymous, page 561. We alcoholics see that we must work together and hang together, else most of us will finally die alone. Thank you, God, for this electronic. We are hanging together and we're working together. A lot of you are working. A lot of you are in the hospitals or doing things, and you can't uh, take it or making a right. And I'm here doing service work to get some AA power in your gut. So you get out there and keep on doing what you're doing. You're you're a wonderful person. You're a hard worker. You devoted yourself for the cost of good, and I salute you. I thank God for you. Amen. If you need something, say this prayer. Now, remember it. You got to. Write it down, parade them, and put them all over the house for 30 days. Say this prayer till it goes deep in your heart. Say, say this. The supply for it is not here yet, but it will come if we should have it. It will surely come. Amen. Okay, that's the prayer. Ready? The supply for it is not here yet, but it will come if we should have it. It will surely come. It's very simple, folks, but it works. It needs to open a crevice in our hearts to receive it. The problem is not that there's no supply. The problem is that we don't have a crevice open for the it to come in. That's why the word is so small. It, two little words, and it goes over our heads. Keep saying that so you can get it in your subconscious mind. And once the subconscious mind receives it, you'll start praying it automatically. And you'll have an opening for what? For riches. And don't be scared. Riches could be a good word. Riches could be a good smile. Riches could be a good counsel, a good friendship. Riches could be uh, going to Hawaii. Free. Riches. One of my sponsees has, has invited me and the wife. Hey, you got three weeks. Your convention in Hawaii is on so-and-so in Waikiki. Then we got... The big island with a volcano, and then we got the other old island where Jurassic Park was filmed. So we chose the island. The convention is sold out, folks, this year, 2022. All right, getting back to the daily reflections. Just as the 12 steps of AA are written in a specific sequence for a reason, so it is with the 12 traditions. The first step and the first tradition attempt to instill in me enough humility to allow me a chance at survival. Together, they are the basic foundation upon which the steps and traditions that follow are built. It is a process of ego deflation which allows me to grow as an individual through the steps and as contributing member of a group through the traditions. Full acceptance of the first tradition allows me to set aside personal ambitions, fears, and anger when they are in conflict with the common good, thus permitting me to work with others for our mutual survival. Without Tradition 1, I stand little chance of maintaining the unity required to work with others effectively. 
and I also stand to lose the remaining traditions, the fellowship, and my life. Wow, that's beautiful. Yes, tradition one is the, the tradition that hooked me into the fellowship. You know, it was the tradition that, that allowed me to drive myself on, the tradition that made sense. I needed to get rest. I needed to work, rest, eat properly, and come to class with a dollar because of the love of the people around me will make me better. My mind was reeling, and I couldn't stop the reeling. I had no focus, no control of my imagination. That was the second time around. I got two lives in AA. The second one is I, 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 tradition one was like the drowning man that grasped for something. It truly put me in order, tradition one. Our common welfare meant that I needed to rest, keep my job, come to the meeting with a dollar, ready to learn, to class. And the love and the acceptance and the unity of the folk was going to make me well. It was going to bring me up to their standard of thinking. Care for one another. Stay away from dangerous people, places, and things of influence. And then I, I started. That protected the, the whole program, my whole life. And my mother, my brothers, my sisters, my children. They finally got back the human being that was part of their lives too that they were worrying about. They were losing sleep over my stupid actions and uh, irresponsible little characters that I was ask- I was wanting them to feel sorry for me. They call it, It's a song called Pobre de Mi. I used to sing it and realizing that the, the country and Western songs in Spanish were drowning me more and more in that area. Okay, I just wanted to do... To, uh, to go back to that article I wrote, I read. The, the book is called, what is the book called, the new book? The uh, One Book's Journey, Our Great Responsibility. That's the book, Our Great Responsibility. I thought it was going to be full of uh, business, but it's, it's all about compassion and serving others. Isn't that beautiful, how we have? And I like the subtitle that... Um, that Bill came up with, you know. Uh, what was his subtitle on it? Unity in Action. Unity in Action. That was a Bill's preference. But they changed the title, I guess, Our Great Responsibility. Okay, that's the name of the title of the book. I'd like to ask you to go and get it and read it and make it part of your subconscious mind, folks. We are in class here, and we're required to participate, spend money for literature, and be aggressive with it, and read it, and pound it on the group's head. It's good stuff. Now, let's go see our, let's go talk to our, uh, you know who, King Solomon, and see what he's up to. Let's go, let's go walk to his house. Sponsor, Mr. Solomon, can you come out and give us your your words today? And the door opens, and he says, 
Proverbs for today, son, Proverbs 16, he says, We can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answers. The Lord gives the right answers. Let me, uh, let me go ahead and go to the Passion Translation, a little bit looser translation that has more. Okay, wisdom exalts God, Proverbs 16. This is the Passion Translation. Go ahead and make all the plans you want, but it is the Lord who will ultimately direct your steps. We are all in love with our own opinions, convinced they're correct, but the Lord is in the midst of us, testing and probing our very motive. Before you do anything, put your trust totally in God and not in yourself, then every plan you make will succeed. The Lord works everything together to accomplish His purpose. Even the wicked are included in His plans. He sets them aside for the day of disaster. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. God detests all the ones who are proud of heart. For pride attracts His punishment, and you can count on that. That's why it's so important that we write a gratitude list and be grateful and acknowledge God because the proud is the negative side of a battery and the great gratitude is the positive side of the battery. And somehow we need to recognize the two that, that put power and the power is we acknowledge God that he's the provider. That's wisdom, folks. You can avoid evil through surrendering worship. And the fear of God. For the power of his faithful love removes sin's guilt and grips over you. Again, you can avoid evil thoughts by surrendering, giving thanksgiving, and a gratitude list, and thanking God. It's called the fear of God. For the power of his faithful love will come into you and will remove the guilt the sin's guilt and grip that it has over you, like the disease or the uh, all the uh, remorse, or even better, the self-pity that has a grip over you. Self-pity and is one of our biggest culprits. The other one is unmourning. We haven't realized how to mourn properly our losses, how to go through the emotions. In the old days, they used to mourn the 30 to 45 days. Mourn, folks, over a death in the family, over a loss. They made sure their hearts were, were totally clean. When the Lord is pleased with the decisions you made, He activates grace to turn enemies into friends. It is better to have little with a heart that loves justice than to be rich and not have God on your side. Within your heart, you can make plans for your future, but the Lord chooses the steps you take to get there. So it's a lot easier just to talk God. Okay, God, I'm ready for service. Please guide my feet, my mind, and my words. Show me where to do, who to help, and allow me to have joy with you as we go together, venturing in this world of yours. Amen. Just put it out there, folks. A king speaks the revelation of truth, so he must be extraordinarily careful in the decrees that he makes. Number 11, the Lord expects you to be fair in every business deal. 
for he is the one who sets the standards for righteousness. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. We know that's true. We got punched in the head when we, I didn't do my business deal fairly. It always came back to bite me 10 times for doing things um, evil. Kings and leaders despise wrongdoing, for the true authority to rule and reign is built on a foundation of righteousness. Kings and leaders despise wrongdoing, for the true authority to rule and reign is built on a foundation of righteousness. Kings and leaders love to hear godly counsel, and they love those who tell them the truth. See? You guys are kings and leaders. You guys are queens and, and ambassadors. You love to hear godly counsel. And they, you love me when I punch you in the nose. When you tell you the truth. You can do better, guys. You can write down, do five minutes of everything you know you should be doing. Sit-ups, push-ups, jumping jacks, walking, relaxing, reading. Five minutes of everything for five months. Five days a week. Get it in your once you get it in your subconscious mind, then you've done the hard hard work that you you worked on yourself. Stop eating the sugar and the bread and stop kidding yourself. Diabetes and, and cancer and all that. You can do something about it. Write down a little list of five minute things you're gonna do every day for your health, for your mind, for your heart. And just put it put it all over the place, and you'll be surprised in five months from now. Five months, five days a week, five minutes. And you'll be surprised how Monday comes around, back to the basics. Back to eating the vegetables, back to exercise. You know? The anger of a king releases the messenger of death, but a wise person will know how to pacify his wrath. Fifteen, life-giving light streams from the presence of a king, and his favor is showered upon those who please him. Everyone wants gold, but wisdom worth is far greater. Silver is sought after, but a heart of understanding yields a greater return. <clears throat> folks, this is us right here, folks. We want wisdom, which is far greater worth than gold. We are looking and asking for more understanding that yields a greater return than silver. This investment that we're doing right here, you and I, conversing and reading through this, is yielding a far greater worth than gold itself and far greater value than silver. Our, a heart of understanding, us, yields a greater return. Woohoo! Get down, folks. Turning from evil places, evil places puts you on the road of happy holiness. And, uh, protect your purity and your words, and you protect your life. And contaminate, take your. Let us not contaminate ourselves with lazy people that slur, slander, and 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 injure others with their words and their thinking. Your boast becomes a prophecy of a future failure. Stay away from those people. The higher you lift yourself up in pride, the harder you'll fall in disgrace. 
your boast becomes a prophecy of a future failure. Excuse me. The higher you lift up your yourself up in pride and a free ride, the harder you'll fall in this grace. The object is to keep God's grace and is to remember that we're the thing that we're promised is mercy and forgiveness for our wrongs and another chance to have grace, to have but for the grace of God, there go I. So we protect grace, we receive mercy, and we're thankful. If we understand that our sins have been forgiven and we walk under the umbrella of mercy and grace, we will tend to, to keep it and cover it and don't let it go. Thank you, God, for your mercy. Your mercies are new every morning. Your love and your enthusiasm and your joy and your strength and your power are new every morning. And I thank you. Thank you for the grace. Poco loco, aren't I? Pretty crazy I am, aren't I? It is better to be meek and lowly and live among the poor than to live high and mighty among the rich and famous. Yep, you guys that uh, like tabloids or whatever and talking about those people, it's going to creep up on you like a, like a disease. It's better to meek, be meek and lowly and live among the poor. It's better for you to take some cookies or something to that family that you know they're struggling and they have a kid on PCP and their craziness and yelling and screaming to go over there and give them some, some of your leftover good food and just give them love and acceptance. Then to live high and mighty among the rich and famous. One skill in business discovers prosperity but the one who trusts in God is blessed beyond belief. The one with a wise heart is called discerning. And speaking sweetly to others makes your teaching even more convincing. Hallelujah. Wisdom is a deep well of understanding. Open up within you as a fountain of life for others. But it is senseless to try to instruct a fool. Isn't that great that we only have wise people in this podcast? It's going on 30 minutes and we only have people with a heart, people with patience, people with, uh, you're giving me the benefit of the doubt. You're allowing me to, to not be perfect in my talk, but be righteous in God's pushing me. To, we're all pushing into the unknown of wisdom to receive more understanding. This is our entertainment. It says, our entertainment is exercising our curiosity and wisdom. And I love it, don't you? Wisdom is a deep well of understanding opened up within us as a fountain of life for others. Beautiful, huh? But it is senseless to try to instruct the fool. I think I go crazy in the program when I'm trying to instruct a fool over and over again. And um, I used to be that person. Unless God gives you that, that skill to break out. Foolishness can be arrested, folks. Foolishness, if you ask God to arrest your foolishness. All of us have a foolish kid inside of us that needs to be arrested. And it's not 
the joy that we're after. We think it's entertainment and joy. Wisdom words pour from a heart of wisdom. Winsome. Winsome words pour out from a heart of wisdom. Adding value to all you teach. Nothing is more appealing than speaking beautiful life-giving words. For they release sweetness to our souls and inner healing to our spirits. Nothing is more appealing than speaking beautiful life-giving words. For they release sweetness to our souls and inner healing to our spirits. The Passion Translation, folks. Before every person, there is a path that seems like the right one to take, but it leads straight to hell. Before every person, there are words that seem to be right and funny to take, but it's leading us straight to hell, folks. Life motivation comes from the deep longings of the heart. Life motivation comes from the deep longings of the heart. And the passion to see them fulfill urges you onward. Hallelujah. The wicked scoundrel wants to dig up dirt on others. Let me back up to this number 26. Life motivation comes from deep longings of the heart. And the passion to see them fulfill urges you onward. Now, remember, folks, that prayer that I told you earlier, that's what the motivation of deep longings in our hearts. We know that there's something out there. We know that our lives have to be right. You know that God has given us what right is. And when something is not right, say, for instance, you don't have enough for your bills. Somebody's health is not right. We just know the passion that we have that urges us to search for, for healing, we search for an answer search for righteousness man was made to stand up upright and to smile and be in the image of god and to be thankful that's the reason this prayer it's a spiritual prayer too riches is a spiritual wisdom say say out loud the supply for it is not here yet but it will come if we should have it it will surely come some of you may be too wise for this. You think it's too simple, like I did years ago. Oh, you know, we got other confessions that are stronger than this one and stuff like that. But we're missing the it. You know, we're not allowing. The supply for it is not here yet. What's the supply? Power, folks, wisdom, instructions, ability to do something with the, what we know. How much of us know exactly how to lose 20 pounds and, and be diligent in other areas of our lives? We all know the supply for it, it is not here yet, but it will come if we should have it. And who's we? We is Father, Son, Holy Ghost. We is your God. We is, the, is your Spirit. There's a lot of we's inside of us, guys. It will surely come. Anyway, I'm pressing too much on that point. Let's go ahead and move on. Let me say this again. Life motivation comes from deep the deep longings of the heart. And the passion to see them fulfill urges you onward. Woohoo! 
A wicked scoundrel wants to dig up dirt on others only to spread slander and shred their reputation. And remember, everybody's contaminated with being wicked scoundrels. <laughs> a twisted person spreads rumors. A wick wicked person spreads rumors. A whispering gossip ruins good friendships. A vicious criminal can be persuasive, enticing others to join him as partners in crime. But he leads them all down a despicable path. Now remember, you think you're being kind to a vicious gossiper that's always in trouble, and you're being compassionate, and they're you know, and what you're doing is you're joining him in a partners in crime. You gotta stop them. You gotta say, write this down and don't talk about it. You're giving it life every time you're you give that offense that you and him, they always have offense. They always have new offenses every month, and they want you to join them in. And then I tell the, the people, I said, don't call any other people and go through the whole scenario all over again. You're just giving it life, and the problem is not in the person. The problem is in you. You're the one who are making all the, the gossip because you have something in you that hasn't been taken out. You love that kind of stuff. You have a tree that's calling for that kind of arena to be taking place in your life. We are the makers of our vicious lives. In other words, spot a person that is, uh, catch yourself when you're, I catch myself when I'm being vocal and, and gossiping. And then I ask God, I repent. God, forgive me. Forgive me. God bless that person. God bless myself that I may have a, a responsive, uh, loving attitude that give them the benefit of doubt that they deserve compassion and forgiveness. And hopefully they'll understand, Lord, that. Amen. Number 30, it is easy to tell when a wicked man is hatching some crooked scheme. It is easy to tell. It is written all over his face. He looks betrayed. His looks betray him as he gives birth to sin. There you go, folks. That's, it is easy to tell when a wicked man is hatching some crooked scheme. It is written all over his face. He looks his looks betray him as he gives birth to sin. Remember, they're either there to talk about somebody or trip you up. Old age with wisdom will crown you with dignity and honor. That is us, folks. You know, accepting dignity and honor, riches and stuff that comes with it, success comes with wisdom, folks. That's why it's so re important to say that prayer, that we be kind to ourselves. We allow ourselves to receive dignity and sufficiency and, and, and God's honor and glory and peace and, and joy and happiness in our faces humor, laughter, for it takes a lifetime of righteousness to acquire it. For it's taking us a lifetime of righteousness to acquire it. God says, I can't do nothing unless you sit still and believe. If you lock into your faith and believe, stop squirming, lock into faith and receive dignity and honor, folks. I'm probably talking to myself too, folks. Let me ask you a question. This is number 32. Do you want to be a mighty warrior? Huh? Aren't, aren't all of us want to be do that? It is better to be known as one who is patient and slow to anger. 
Do you want to conquer a city? Rule over your temper before you attempt to rule a city. You know, it is possible to rule over our temper. That's why it's so important to say, thank you, God, when you mess up. Thank you, God, I flew off the handle. Thank you, God, I got angry. Thank you, God, I came down with righteous indignation and I spilled venom out of my lips. Little by little, you'll be coaxing that and taking that bitter tree out of your heart. All the hurts, all the boulders, all the all that stuff that's planted in our hearts that is not producing a good fruit to eat. It's just producing bitter fruit and bittering us and bittering others. All things are possible to those who call on God. With God, all things are possible. Amen. Number And the last one, we may toss the coin and roll the dice, but God's good will is greater than luck. God's will is greater than luck. Isn't that wonderful the way it's put here in the Passion Translation? We may toss the coin and roll the dice, but God's will is greater than luck. You see, God's will is, is with peace, mercy, love, kindness, joy, humor, laughter, riches, health, adventure. What will, why would we want anything else? Let's go ahead and close with the Lord's Prayer, please, this meeting. Thank you so much. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our wrongs as we forgive those who wrong against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back, folks. It's working. Introducing what happens when you don't pay attention at a meeting. Funny recovery. Ten minutes, please. All right. Get the voice. So it's nice to have an audience that's like attentive <laughs> and not overtly hostile. <laughs> Nice, man. I got a buddy, he drinks too much. He's an alcoholic, I'm pretty sure. Because he always tries to justify his drinking. It's not a good sign. Even when I don't call it out, one thing he loves to say is, you know, Andy, eating too much is way worse than drinking too much. And I'm like, no, yeah, dude, totally. Like, I remember growing up, my dad was a really nice guy until he had too many sandwiches. <laughs> and then after a few patty melts and a large diet squirt, he just became a totally different person and 
me and my brothers would have to hide underneath our bunk beds because dad went on another patty melt rampage. That rye bread is the devil. I don't drink myself. Do not drink. I have a, I have a good reason. I'm a recovering heroin addict. Uh, I'm not just some nerd. <laughs> this is true, I'm in recovery. It's true. Uh, just got seven years clean. And, uh, it doesn't feel that great. Life's fine. People are taken aback when they hear it, which is understandable. I don't really look the part. This whole thing ain't really screaming heroin addicts. <laughs> I look more like a bully from a 1990s Disney movie. <laughs> I look like a cast member of the Buttercream Gang. <laughs> meeting the other day, a 12-step meeting, and I have severe ADHD. I don't pay attention well. And they were in the meeting, and they were talking about dreams, and I wasn't paying any attention, and then they wanted me to talk, and I'm like, well, most recently a dream of mine is I'm in the mountains with my dead uncle Steve. who passed away like seven years ago, and were digging a tunnel. And then a girl went and she talked about getting her GED. <laughs> and a guy went and he talked about becoming a construction foreman. No, they're talking about dreams as in goals. <laughs> so now everybody in that meeting thinks I relapsed and got high the other day. Because I told them it was my big ambition in life to go into the mountains with dead Uncle Steve to dig a tunnel. Talk about, talk about recovery a lot in my act. It's a big thing I talk about. This guy came up to me once after a show and said to me, well, how long were you addicted to heroin for? And I said, almost six years. And then the guy went, oh, well, holy mackerel, why didn't you just stop? And I looked at the guy, I'm like, oh, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> I had to go through so much. 
went to jail. I never did any like serious time, just some weekends here and there. I was kind of like in the jail reserves. Uh, <laughs> I went to rehab in the fall of 2009, and it was an amazing spot. It helped to get me well. But there were some characters in rehab. There was a woman there who's since become one of my best friends, and she was an alcoholic, and she had Tourette syndrome. I'll give you guys a minute to digest that one. Now, I thought Tourette's was like the involuntary shouting of obscenities, but that's just one form of it. It's also like grunts and ticks and twitches, and that's what she had, and nobody told me. <laughs> so I'm sitting in there, it's my very first day, going through severe withdrawals. I'm very agitated, I'm not happy. And she's to my left, and everybody's like opening up and sharing, and she suddenly just goes like, <laughs> And everybody just carried on like nothing happens. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe she just sneezed. <laughs> But then she did it like five more times in 10 minutes. Just, ah! And again, I didn't know. So I finally said to her, do you want to stop doing that, please? It's obnoxious. And if you want attention, there's better ways to get it. <laughs> she said, I'm sorry, I have a condition. I have Tourette's. It's like, oh. I didn't know that. You can't help it. So there's no way you're going to be able to stop doing it then? <laughs> are a fun crowd <laughs> one drawback to being honest about my recovery and open about it is it opens the door for everybody to vent to me about their hardships <laughs> and I'm not the guy to talk to about that stuff <laughs> at all my neighbor was talking to me saw my act. It's like, so Andy, you used to, you used to have problems with substance abuse, didn't you? It's like, yeah. It's like, that's okay. We all have problems, Andy. You want to know something about me? I hate my wife. <laughs> and my job and my kids, I just feel trapped. I don't know what to do. It's like, all right. Uh... <laughs> You ever thought about trying heroin? <laughs> I don't know 
what sort of profound insight you were expecting to get from your junky comedian neighbor. But that's the best I got. I mean, your life won't be any better, but after that. Well, there you go, Recovery Central. Uh, he started really good, and then he started to fizzle out. You know, I have a couple of uh, funny incidents that happened. We used to have up in um, Tracy, California, as Fernando Alcoholic. When I started coming into AA, I looked up the place, and I saw it. I saw the address that said AA. The second time I came into AA in Tracy, California, in 1994, when I started my sobriety venture all over again, there was about two or three meetings in that little town. The first one I went to was in a little church on Holly Avenue on Tracy. And that was very memorable, very, very, very sharp. And the second group I started venturing out was called uh, Recovery Central. And I remember driving around and checking the place, the front uh, store, they were renting a front store on the main street. And I thought, huh. When those guys find out that I've been in real estate, I've been in insurance, I've been here, I've been that, and you know, I am a learned, a self-made man or self-made, I wanted to say idiot, but I don't want to cut myself down that bad. So what I did is I, I thought, well, they're sure, they're, they are sure bound to help me be the treasurer or help them out, you know, of course they're a bunch of alcoholics, how can they, they pay their bills and do anything right? Well, when I went in there, I couldn't even uh, I, I couldn't even wash the, the uh, ashtrays they were smoking in that time or, you know, get a coffee commitment, anything. Everything was covered. Everything was grasped. There were waiting lists for people to be of service. So I saw that there was dust accumulating under the tables and the tables needed coffee wipe, wipes to clean the... So I... I sponsored myself and I started doing that. And then about three months later, after I stopped drinking, I became a secretary and I got a key. And I became a secretary to the uh, only men's meeting, weekly meeting, 6.30 in the morning on Wednesday, men's meeting. Yeah, baby, real early in the morning. I went around and I told all the guys in the group, all the meetings, that, uh, that I was going to buy breakfast burritos for everyone that came to my debut. Well, you know what happens when we start boasting. The uh, burrito place wasn't open that early, to my surprise. And so uh, I think all I had was day-old donuts left over from the day before. But anyway, 12 angry men showed up, and we had a, and we had a meeting, and my knees were knocking. I was nervous, and I uh, wanted to do it right. So that was the beginning of that meeting. And the other point I was making is that right next door, I saw other people come in with court cards and so forth, and right next door to us, there was a, a community center where they had uh, billers and beer, and it was a Portuguese community center. You know, They had them all over the place in the San Joaquin Valley. Uh, they're, they're big on socializing in that form. So lo and behold, uh, the guys would, would go, when they would park, they would go into the wrong facility, 
with their court cards and they would go up and over there they had a bar and they said they would walk in and they, they saw the billers, they saw the beer and they said, wow, these guys have learned to, to drink in a safe manner. I'm going to have fun here. He said he walked, one of the friends walked up to the counter, gave the guy the slip, his AA court card so he can get it signed. And the guy looked at it and goes, no, this is not us, it's next door. And he came next door, told us about it, and boy, did we have a, a laughter, roaring laughter, you know. Um, so that was pretty funny, I thought. Another funny thing that happened, after a year or so, uh, I fell in love with the group. I fell in love with the transient, the uh, motorcycle people, the painters and everything. And there was one particular meeting uh, that uh, all of us had some kind of cast, some kind of broken arm, or some kind of brace. I'm telling you, there were seven of us, and all of us had either crutches or uh, a, something to help you with your leg. I myself have gotten, uh, 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 I bent my, uh, my knee. I had something, something with my foot. Sprain, oh, no, I had a sprained ankle at that time. So I was there all, you know, with my crutches, and we all had a meeting, and all of us had some kind of uh, insurance uh, pending. And all of us won our insurance pending. Some guy got as, as much as 250000 for it for a fence that fallen to him from a truck. He was a guard. Two other guys, 25000 to this and that. So I always believe that God uses uh, insurance money to better his kids that are trying to do the right thing who admit they have a problem with alcohol and go forward. So that was a lot of fun. Another fun thing that happened to me was I came down to Southern California and I was a secretary at a 6.30 morning meeting in La Puente. Uh, I forgot what they called it. AA Central or something like that. Um... But anyway, I would get there early and make the coffee around 5.30 in the morning. And uh, when I got there, the front door was busted open and there was books on the floor and somebody had broken in. I guess a homeless man broke in and stole all the cans. We used to hold a lot of cans back there and for recycle. They took our recycle. So I started picking up right away. And then when the other secretary, I announced to the rest of the group what had happened, and while I was there making the coffee and cleaning up, uh, the guy came back. The guy that did the work, he came back for a second run. And you know how the police always say that the, the criminal always comes back to the scene of the crime? Well, the guy came back. He popped in there, and he saw me in there. And then he left, and I knew who he was. I didn't say anything. I didn't tell the group who he was or anything. Um, but you know the funny thing about it? what the rumor was. A week later, I was in a meeting and this secretary that I didn't know, she was announcing that people are breaking into the AA fellowship to steal the AA books. That was the story. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty hilarious that somebody was breaking into AA to steal their books. That's the story that it turned out to be. So it paid... I saw the guy about a year later. He finally came back, beat up more, older, maybe missing a tooth or so forth, and trying to get the fellowship and the love 
that we so often miss because when we're out there, we're lonely. Whew. As soon as I said that, it made me jump. But I'm not lonely anymore. I have the fellowship. I have my friends. I can call you. I can talk to you. You're probably in Hawaii somewhere or you're back down in Australia or the Netherlands or Ireland and hearing this and getting a chuckle out of it. So I was looking for more funny stuff than I figured I better read you today's 24-hour meditation book to give you some substance. We might as well have a meeting. Let's go ahead and pray. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. AA is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is the desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We're self-supporting through our own contribution. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and to help others to recover from alcoholism or to stop drinking. All right. Thank you so much. And now, a reading from the little 24-hour black book. What draws newcomers to AA? Question mark. And gives them hope? Question mark. They hear the stories of men and women who experiences tally with their own. The expression on the faces of the women that undefinable something in the eyes of the men the stimulating atmosphere of the AA club room conspires to let them know that there is haven at last. The very practical approach to their problems, the absence of intolerance of any kind, the informality, the genuine democracy, the uncanny understanding that these people in AA have is irresistible. Have I found a real haven in AA? And now for the meditation of the day. If thine eye be single, thy whole body will be full of light. The eye of the soul is the will. If your will is to do the will of God, to serve Him with your life, to serve Him by helping others, then truly shall your whole body be full of light. The important thing is to strive to attune your will to the will of God. A single eye to God's purpose, desiring nothing less then that his purpose be fulfilled. Try to seek in all things the advance of his kingdom. Seek the spiritual values of honesty and purity, unselfishness and love, and earnestly desire spiritual growth. Then your life will emerge from the darkness of futility into the light of the recovery. Prayer for the day. I pray that my eye may be single. I pray that my life may be lived in the light of the best that I know. Amen. That was 24-hour little book meditation for today. And yes, uh, this world is highly regulated. The schools are regulated. In other words, they have uh, do's and don'ts. The uh, the meetings are heavily regulated. The our home is regulated. There's a certain ways that we follow, and God's unseen principles are heavily regulated. We know them by when we get a punch in the nose for being dishonest. 
we get penalized when we're dishonest to companies and places and situations like unemployment checks and stuff. They'll fine us 10 weeks. How do I know? <laughs> I was taught a lesson to be up in a board because they will find you out. See, that's God's kingdom principle that he put into this world that, you know, we should be exactly what this thing said. Honest, integrity, purity, unselfishness, helping, being kind, being hopeful, being full of belief, believing. You know, when the Lord Jesus was here, thank you, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, when he was here, he was astounded at people's unbelief because believing is as natural as nature itself. But alcohol and criticizing of things cuts our believer off. So I ask you to to uh, to stay in believing. How do you stay in believing? With your parents' love, with your friends' love, with your uh, group's love, with your with your association with your church, their love, even the love of God through His Word, reading His Word. Gives, gives us love. You'll fall in love with the word. And then Jesus says, You will know my word, and my words will set you free. You know why a lot of us don't become free? Because we're lazy. We don't want to read the word of God. We don't want to sit down and read the AA book or the 12 traditions or go to a meeting. You know, we want we want it easy. Right? Easy peasy, like they say. So, there you go. Thank God that when you, I get tired of being tired, I go ahead and, uh, and do what I'm supposed to do. Somebody told me I wasn't going to make it in life or in the program if I didn't read six hours a day. Six hours a day, who in the world reads six hours a day? Yep, six hours a day. Well, I already read a couple, one hour, two hours maybe. I read half hour in Spanish, half hour in English around four in the morning. I read at the park. We read about half hour, 40 minutes, quite a bit of reading. And... I read at my other meeting, too. So I got one, about two hours in, maybe a little more. And I'm still not done, you know. I still got to read some more. I got to read in English. So I don't know if I'm putting too much on my plate, but I am trying to uh, to fix all this. You know, where it will be, everything would be uh, proper far as uh, my head. <laughs> anyway, uh, now what am I going to say? I forgot. Oh, that's it. Let's go ahead and get out of here with the, with the, uh, the Lord's my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. 
He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The Lord has prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The Lord has anointed my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy and loving kindness shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen and amen. Keep coming back, family. It's working. Greetings, family. Welcome to today's college podcast for our Christian studies. Let's go ahead and open this meeting with a moment of silence, followed by the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. A new life. Yes, there is a substitute, and it's vastly more than that. It is a fellowship in Alcoholics Anonymous. Life will mean something at last. Alcoholic Anonymous, page 152. Yeah, this is the AA program. I also do Bible colleges, so um, Bible studies. This is our 12-step program. Listen up, please. Life is better without alcohol. AA, AA in the presence of a higher power keeps me sober. But the grace of God does even better. It brings service into my life. Contact with the AA program teaches me a new and greater understanding of what Alcoholic Anonymous is and what it does. But most importantly, it helps us to show me who am I. An alcoholic who needs the constant experience of the Alcoholic Anonymous program so that I may live a life given to me by my higher power. Amen. You know, Fernando Alcoholic, one of the areas of AA the highlights is... uh, the enthusiasm of working with other people towards a common goal. We have a common enemy, the alcohol. We come in a, a common soft suffering, you know, through ignorance and what alcohol is doing to our lives and not understanding the problem. But now we have a common bond by camaraderie and happiness and uh, keeping outside issues away from the, uh, from the inside of the group, you know, and then just enjoying the principles that God created, which is honesty, sharing, service, enthusiasm, love, excitement. You know, uh, I wish that we had more uh, speaking together, like we all read the promises together or, or said the prayers out loud together. More fun, more unisons, you know. Even getting up on our chairs and say, rah, rah, I will not drink today. I will contact somebody and help them with their recovery. I will do something for someone and not let them know who did it. I, la, da, 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 da. I will make a batch of cookies for my enemies and put it at a doorstep. I will bless them. Wouldn't that be more more intriguing? Huh? We like a sales force. <clears throat> I used to hear that my son was selling Kirby uh, vacuum cleaners. And he said that's what they would do in the morning. They would get up on their chairs and holler and hooler and get out there and give them heaven. 
And I'm very pleased that he sold one. He sold one. They had compassion on the young man. God bless the people. May God restore them. God's in it. God's excited. Lovable God. Let's go ahead and jump to a quick uh, story from our beloved Grapevine. And this one is taken from 2019, August. And it's called Drink, Slurring, Falling Down, Blacking Out. She was in a hall of mirrors with no way out. It's called a Manico Thirst. I was born into a riddle. Something was terribly wrong in my world, but the solution I would eventually find alcohol would nearly kill me. I recall when I turned eight years old, thinking, whoa, I'm getting old. I'm going to die. I can't imagine making it to 18. And what is death anyway? Nothingness. A macabre self-obsession hit me early. I was sure I had tumors somewhere that would lead to my ultimate tragic death. Everyone would be sorry for me. So I reached for a drink at the age of eight, but recoiled from the taste of hard liquor. I turned to other addictive behaviors, kleptomania, binge eating, smoking. These activities were okay, but by the age of 11, I had found that cold beer was more palatable. Alcohol gave me what I would call a real imitation, a real spiritual experience. When I was drinking, I understood the word serenity and I knew peace. I could manage situations that used to baffle me because alcohol did for me what I could not do for myself. It let me out of my cage for, of self-centered fear. The progression of my alcoholism is easy to trace in retrospect. The spiritual experience lessened steadily and was overtaken by raw compulsion and obsession. In the financial world, you might call alcohol an asset that delivered diminishing returns. But I simply could not drink. I was full and confused by how drinking more always seemed to be my only choice. I became a falling down, slurring, blackout drunk. Yet at times I could be walking around in a blackout, acting perfectly normal according to others, which I found scarier. Falling in a bar one night, I screamed that I would sue the owner. My falling had to be someone else's fault after all. And I can recall clearly and calmly thinking how much more validity I might have if I could just scream this without slurring. Later, I found myself struggling to fit my keys in the lock of my apartment building, cursing lock makers for making keys and locks so small that you couldn't operate them when you're blind drunk. That was when I realized I was not in my building or even in a building on my street. Such was a typical evening out, which is why I often stayed in to drink alone. People were always knocking on my apartment door to tell me my keys were hanging in the lock on the outside. I cursed them for being nosy. My alcoholism kept progressing. I started to appear at hospitals and sanitariums at once, I was assigned to a program and a psychiatrist for alcohol treatment. The psychiatrist begged me to go to AA and said there was even a hospital meeting called the Winner's Circle. I knew winner meant loser, 
I thought, I don't want to go bowling with a bunch of naked old men in trench coats, which was my understanding of what AA would be like. I was only 22. I wore pearls. How could I be an alcoholic? Later, that same group became my home group. I started to become more physically ill, my body covered with bruises, which brought me unwanted attention and questions. I didn't know why I was so bruised. Who in their right mind would choose to live this way? Several things coincided to land me at an AA meeting. The first recovery bookstore in Manhattan moved in directly under my apartment. Huh. They hung the steps and tradition shades in their windows. Huh. Just below my blank shades, which was very symbolic. I read the steps, saw the word God, and thought, well, huh. That's too bad because I need real help. My co-worker was a recovering alcoholic. He was promoted at work and started hiring other alcoholics. Now I was surrounded. It was all they talked about. They laughed a lot and it was impossible to reconcile their sad alcoholic stories with the happy people in front of me. Having alcoholism was like living in a hall of mirrors. Endless false hopes that I could see and an exit. Only to slam into a wall every time. These people at work appeared to know the way out. I wanted what they had. One day my mother, a gossip, started in, my, in on my sober cousin saying how pathetic it was that he still went to those meetings even after five years. In a masterpiece of alcoholic logic, I thought about how much I hated my mother and how much she hated AA, which meant that I should love AA. That night, I called AA on the phone. I asked the man, coquisitely, how could I be sure I was really an alcoholic? After all, I was only 25 years old. Maybe I was a junior alcoholic and could keep drinking. I don't know, sweetheart, he said. You're the one calling AA, so what do you think? I did not have a good answer for this. While I was searching for some response, he said, In my experiences, non-alcoholics never call us. I had never spoken directly to another alcoholic about my drinking before, and I couldn't hear what he said. I went to a meeting that night. The speaker at the meeting talked about grandiosity and, and resentment. And I got my first glimpse that maybe this thing was about more than the drinking. I identified and aspired to someday have a problem of as sophisticated as a resentment. I got that wish granted many times over. At that time, I was just trying to pull off the idea that I was a real person because I felt and lived like an animal. I was as riveted to that first AA meeting as I was to that first drink, and for the, the same reason, I saw hope and a solution. Thankfully, I had no boundaries at that time, so I did whatever they told me to do. I was powerless over sobriety. I heard only that the most common reason for relapse is stopping attending meetings, so I never stopped. I remain co cognizant of the miracle that I am powerless over alcohol, yet I am not drinking. If I can remember how precious this is, I'm unlikely to be casually about throwing it away. A grateful heart never drinks, and willingness follows from actions. The fourth step is my freedom step. I know now that my triggers are 
No one sets them off without my immediate knowing what's bothering me and does what I need to do. It's fear that drives my defects. Expectations misinterpreting people's motives. Fearing that there is no justice. Taking things personally. Wanting endlessly from the world without thinking about what I, I can bring to it. Wanting endlessly things from the world, not even giving it a thought of what I can bring to it. An archaic name for alcoholism is dipsomania, which literally means maniacal thirst. Maniacal thirst. Psychoanalysis, Dr. Carl Jung tells us our choice is spiritus contra spiritum, which means alcohol or God. One or the other. We are really on a low level search for God when we drink. I feel we are blessed to be born with the inability to be saturated with anything less than God. Again, I feel we are blessed to be born with this inability to be saturated with anything less than God. I have come to see the steps as a sort of a spiritual chiropractor. The laws of human nature are distorted and confused in the alcoholic. When we transform our relation to ourselves, others, and the world, we can be said to have a spiritual transformation. When we straighten out our human nature, we can be at peace. This process I call God. Maybe God is a verb and a state of being rather than a being. I never had a seltzer followed by an urge to get a case of seltzer and hold up in a hotel room somewhere. Clearly, this is the bodily aspect of this illness. The most important thing I know about alcoholism, however, is that it starts in the mind. I'm only an alcoholic because alcohol fixed what was wrong with me. It's an illness name for its solution, which serves to distract us all from the main problem. Stopping drinking is only the start of the real solution. If we really understand powerlessness, we cannot have shame, as the only accurate response to powerlessness is humility. In sobriety, if we understand powerlessness, we cannot have pride, as the only accurate response to the freedom from alcoholism is gratitude. The only response, the accurate one, to the freedom from alcoholism, alcohol is gratitude. This higher power who heeds us is like the doctor who fixes a broken leg, but who really only places the leg in a position in which it will heal itself, as that is the body's nature. In AA, we are placed in a position in which our spirits can heal. How this happens is natural, yet beyond us. I do not know that every action we take is important. I do know that every action we take is important. We can be assured of this if, even though it doesn't feel like much of a life journey as we are living it. Yet at some point we will notice that something has happened just as we aren't aware of our broken leg healing until we remove the cast and see we are whole again. My life as a result of the kindness of hundreds, if not thousands of strangers who took the time to help me grow, to thank them, I'm simply passing it on. Thank you very much and oh, 
Annie O. from Needham, Massachusetts. Wow, what a cognitive, intelligent overview of her maniacal thirst. This was from The Grapevine, August 2019. Get yourself a copy if you like to read it over again and study it. Or you can listen to it over and over again. Wow, that's why I do these things. For jams like this. This is a jam, folks. And sometimes I'll stay in something like this and and read it over and over again and talk about it in the rooms and make a big blah blah out of it all right moving right along i'm gonna see go visit my uh my sponsor go to his house knock on the door sponsor solomon are you there i wonder what he has to say for today okay let's go ahead and uh open up the lock it's uh proverbs 15 for today it says a soft answer, Proverbs, a soft soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pour forth foolishness. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. A fool despises his father's instructions, but he who receives correction is prudent. In the house of the righteous there is much treasure, but in the revenue of the wicked is trouble. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the fools does not do so. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he who loves him who follows righteousness. Harsh discipline is for him who forsakes the way, and he who hates correction will die. Hell and destruction are before the Lord. So how much more the hearts of the sons of men? A scoffer does not love one who corrects him, nor will he go to the wise. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools feed on foolishness. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasures with trouble. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted calf with hatred. A wrathful man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger Allies contention, allies contention. The way of the lazy man is like the hedge of thorns, but the way of the upright is a highway. 
A wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish man despises his mother. Folly is joy to him who is destitute of discernment, but a man of understanding walks uprightly. Without counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. <clears throat> That's AA for me, folks. Without counsel, plans go awry, whatever awry is, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Plans. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. The way of life winds up upward for the wise, that he may turn away from hell below. The Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but he will establish the boundary of the widow. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant. He who is greedy for gain troubles his own house, but he who hates bribes will live. The heart of the righteous studies how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. The light of the eye rejoices the heart, and a good report makes the bones healthy. The ear that hears the rebuke of life will abide among the wise. He who disdains instructions despises his own soul, but he who heeds rebukes gets understanding. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. Beautiful said. And before honor is humility. Wow. I can dig it. I can dig it. Baby, racing in the grass is a gas. This is cool stuff. There's no fool on the hill here. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. And before honor is humility. You know, getting into these books and reading this is humbleness. It's it's. I, I discipline myself to stop. You know, my other choices is go for a walk, go start exercising, get some air. But I, this is part of my maintenance program. This is getting spiritual air, spiritual. So it humbles me. So I believe I'll, I've received some honor, I pray. And then the other one, the fear of the Lord is to respect the awe that a great God can instruct us in wisdom. And, you know, I wish that we would be able to see into the king, see God in the spirit, see how he is, you know, 32,000 feet high sitting on his throne. Every once in a while you get a glimpse of the kingdom of heaven and you see his greatness or you see how great the ocean is and how insignificant we are. That's the fear of the Lord. And, and, and being humble to receive instruction that as we follow uh, a good conduct, that's fearing the Lord, the Lord feeling of fearing God. As we take care of ourselves and love ourselves, that's fearing the Lord. We're being instructed in wisdom as we act. Amen.
Let's go ahead and pray out. Our meeting has finished, please. Let's pray with the serenity prayer since we did the Our Father in the beginning, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Keep coming back. It's working. You know, among our six here, percentage-wise, someone could very well, in the back of their head, think, oh, you know, I, people are drinking all around me. I see them drinking, taking drinks. Uh, you know, alcohol sitting in the glass looks so innocent. You know, the... Uh, so, so I, I just mentioned that because I do have a kind of a, uh, a desire to, to know that each and every one of us could, will not be in that category, you know. My, my drunkalogue uh, started in, 50, uh, in the 40s. I was 14 or 15. My stepbrother uh, was in the Navy because uh, he was a burglar and uh, he got caught and they gave him a choice at that time because it's near the end of World War II. They gave him a choice going to prison or going in the Navy. <laughs> so he went in the Navy and uh, wound up getting a career out of it. He, he did 20 years between the Navy and the Air Force. But in the meantime, he was a trouble. He was a troublemaker. He, he tried to get me in trouble. Um, well, he, he dared me to take a little drink of uh, Shinley Black Label in the restroom down in Long Beach. He was in the toilet down in Long Beach. I got my first drink. And I swallowed the stuff whether I was, I was going to fake it and not to drink it. But from then on, he had to fight me for that bottle. <laughs> Once it got down, stopped burning and it stopped, stopped turning my stomach. Boy, it settled down and I, I really, I really... Um, I could have discovered right there. I, I, I better not drink, because uh, from then on it was staggering around, puking on people, and uh, and I had a little jackknife. And my stepbrother told me that the next morning. Now he told me this. I don't remember. He says I opened that knife and threatened somebody. I could have wound up uh, being, you know. Anyway. All the different things, uh, crazy, crazy ways. Uh, no, no reasonable man would have continued like that guy. You know, the, the cycles. You know, it, it gets boring after a while. It's so darn repetitious and stuff. You know, monotony. The monotony of being a drunk and going. You know, I like this kind of monotony I got now. You know what I mean? Nothing, nothing, nothing happens much. Unless I get around Fernando, he keeps me busy, keeps me hopping. Thank God. <laughs> Thank you, James. Okay. Thank you.
I bet you, you know what an experience that is for you, you know, to, to see the two, the waves of different kinds of uh, people, and then the drunks, the they with the regret and the. And oh yeah, there was a couple. Uh, a couple walked up. He was pretty aggressive with his girlfriend, wife, whatever she was. And uh. He, he was full of, full of character defects. Yeah. Very belligerent. He had that anger, that look, you know, you have in your face, just you want to hit something, or just you're so frustrated, you just want to explode. So I'm sure, you know, she was in fear of going home with him. Oh my she God. asked for one of the. Like, uh, how do you know you're an alcoholic? She asked for oh, one of those. Beautiful, beautiful. You say probably right. save a whole family and generation because she saw someone like yourself as a representative. Oh my God. I've seen that before where the husband picks any little thing. You're looking at him. I'll get you when I get home. Nice to sell real estate or something. Go door to door. He's just, they're ready to go at each other. The poor girl's losing her hair. And, and I and man, they need a program. See, I wasn't I wasn't an aggressive drinker. I was the opposite. Love, joy, kindness. You know. But I had friends. You were, you met a great hippie man, a little grass, and sitting in there up in the hill with wine. Yeah, joy, joy, drink, drink. See, I love you. Yeah, both of them a lot of fun. Oh, the the San Dimas one's a bomb. We had to try to do it once was a month. Was that Dave there? Dave up driving. The secretary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. kind, kind Dave guy. He's the only, only really one I know. I, I go to that one probably twice a month. <laughs> By the grace of God, yeah, they didn't hurt anybody, so didn't kill anybody. Oh, oh that's good. Yeah, well, once a second, I gotta go. Oh, we see you. Good job, man. I like your observations. Yeah, good job, everybody. Let's go. We gotta take the secretary home. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, 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 oh. Don't tilt me. Sorry. You tilt me, I'll fall over. <laughs> did I blab too much? And you did perfect. Perfect, oh, God. You did perfect. awesome. If you, you got Tyler to smile and laugh. That is uh, God's huh? will. You what? did it. What's well, that? You got the young man to smile and laugh. The oh, one, really? the one with six months. He just had six months yesterday. Oh, okay. But you got him to, to open up and laugh. That's good. You, you did. You did. You were cognitive, right to the point. Uh-huh. Not talking about self. No. You stood on the topic. You know. Right. It was awesome. All right, Aaron. We'll get you on the other side because there's more room. He leaves me with leg room. Yeah. He likes the lower right. He's got his seat a little bit. That's the way it is. I guess. See you, Chris. Have a good day. See you, Chris. Keep, keep bringing back that story, sir. I got a bunch of them. Oh, he's got me writing. He's got me writing. I, I kind of like the idea. I've been fooling around with it for years. And somebody, you know, somebody was uh, encouraged to, to write a book, and they said, Books, there's just so many books, there's too many books being written already. 
Okay, this uh, Aaron Stern. Aaron. Yeah. Uh, give me your, your your afterthoughts. The meeting after the meeting. What you? What was uh, your... I just you know that whole thing about uh, Chris talking about the seduction of alcohol and how it tries yeah. to lie to you and tell you it's, it wasn't really that bad. And that's know, right. That's right. Just that one little element, you know. She's a she's a lying whore. And I like to think of alcohol as I don't like calling it a disease. I think it's actually, you know, an entity, mm. and it is a lying, sabotaging, you know, just uh, <coughs> deceiver. It's a snake. But calling it a disease has saved a lot of lives. Because when I was new, you couldn't get an alcoholic into the hospital anywhere. That's what I hear. Uh, they didn't want to treat alcoholics. Uh, but if you got pneumonia, we, we, we'd, <laughs> if we, when a guy got pneumonia, you could dump him off at the hospital. Yeah. And, uh, and they would treat him for everything. Sure. I, I was... Uh, no. Anyway, uh, okay. I, I'm, I gonna, I'm gonna drop him off right now. He's gonna get off. So okay. we're gonna start saying our goodbyes. Well, uh, God bless you. Thank God you so you. much, Mr. Beckner. You did right. an awesome, you did, awesome. Did an awesome job. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. You know, you're a self-starter, and, and the the past, the thing of the past now is just nothing but but pure love, pure love, man. That's good. Or success, victory. Anyone know who's talking tonight? No. It's usually, it's usually a mystery. Yeah. Well, come and help me. Come I'm going to try. Right. It'll be another good good be meeting. Nice he's got to run because he's got commitments. He's got a text message? He's got commitments. Oh. He's got a family. Young. Oh, he's got a family. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, to coming in today's Zoom class, a big book reading of Alcoholics Anonymous, the big book. Uh, let's go ahead and open this meeting with a moment of silence, followed by the set-aside prayer. God, I set aside everything I know about you, about my fellow man, about this program, and myself for a fresh new revelation and a new joy in you and in my fellow man and in this program and in myself. Take us to the next level, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, let's go to page 416, and we'll start from there, please. Four sixteen, and uh, go Want ahead. Me to start? Please. Want me to start? Yes. It helped me a great deal to become convinced that alcoholism is a disease, not a moral issue. I have been drinking the result of a compulsion, even though I have not been aware of the compulsion at the time. And sparring was not a matter of willpower, but the people of AA had something that looked much better than what I had. But I was afraid to let go of what I had. <clears throat> and in order to try something new, there was a certain sense of security in the familiar. At last, <clears throat> acceptance proved the key to my drinking problem. After I'd been around AA for several months, taking up of, of alcohol and pills, not finding the program working very well, I was finally able to say, okay, God, it's true. Uh, all people strange as they may seem, no one can give my permission 
really, really am an alcoholic before it's, and it's all right with me. Now, what am I going to do about it? <clears throat> when I stopped living in the problem, I, I began living in the answers. That problem went away from that moment on. I have not one single compulsion to drink. And acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life unacceptable to me, and I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it's supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing, happens in God's world by mistake. Until I could accept my alcoholism, I cannot stay sober. Unless I accept life completely on life terms, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in me and my attitudes. Shakespeare said, All the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. He forgot to mention that I was the chief critic. I was always able to see the flaw in every person in every situation. And I was always glad to point it out because I knew you wanted perfection just as I did. AA and acceptance has taught me there's a bit of good in the worst of us and a bit of bad in the best of us that we are all children of God and we each have a right to be here. When I complain about me or about you, I am complaining about God's handiwork. I am saying that I know better than God. We are now, uh, sure that's the worst thing that could happen to a nice guy like me was I would turn out to be an alcoholic. Today I find it's the best thing that's ever happened to me because it just proves I don't know what's good for me. And if I don't know what's good for me, then I don't know what's good or bad for you or anyone. So it's better off that I don't figure, don't give advice. And I know what's best to just accept life on life's terms as it is today. Especially my own life, as it actually is. Before AA, I judged myself by my intentions while the world was judging me by my actions. Acceptance has been, acceptance has been the answer to my marital problems. It is all through AA had given me a new pair of glasses. Max and I have been married now for 35 years. Prior to our marriage, she was a shy, scrawny adolescent. I was able to see things in her that others couldn't necessarily see. Things like beauty, charm, gaiety, a gift, really easy to talk to, and a sense of humor, and many other fine qualities. And as I, I, <clears throat> it was if rather than having a minus touch, which turns everything into gold, I have magnified mind that magnified on whatever it focuses on. Over the years, I thought about Max and her good qualities grew and grew, and we married, and then all these qualities became more and more apparent to me, and we were happier and happier. But then, as I drank more and more, the alcohol seemed to affect my vision. Instead of continuing to see what was good about my wife, I began to see her defects. And the more I focused my mind on her defects, the more they grew and multiplied. Every defect I pointed out to her became greater and greater. Each time I told her she was a nothing, she receded a little more into nowhere. The more I drank, the more she wilted. Then one day in AA, I was told that I had the lenses and my glasses backwards. The courage to change in the serenity prayer meant not that I should change my marriage, but rather that I should change myself and to learn my spouse as she was. AA has given me a new pair of glasses. I can again focus on my wife's good qualities and watch them grow, grow, and grow. I can do the same thing with an AA meeting. The more I focus my mind on its defects, late starts, long drunk along, cigarette smoke, the worse the meeting becomes. But when I try to see what I can add to the meeting rather than what I can get out of it, and when I focus my mind on what's good about it rather than what's wrong with it, the meeting keeps getting better and better. When I focus on what's good today, I have a good day. And when I focus on what's bad, I have a bad day. If I focus on a problem, the problem increases. If I focus on the answer, the answer increases. Page 420, please. 
the best thing for me to remember that my strength is inversely proportional to my expectations. The higher expectations of Matt and other people are, the lower my strength. I can watch my strength level rise when I discard my expectations, and both then my rights try to move in, and they too can force my strength level down. I have to discard my rights as well as my expectations by asking myself how important is it really? How important is it compared to my strength and my emotional sobriety? And when I place more value on my strength and my sobriety than, than anything else, I can maintain it at a higher level at least for the time being. Acceptance has been a key to my to my relationship with God today. I never just sit around and do nothing with, <clears throat> with, with nothing while waiting for Him to tell me what to do. Rather, I do whatever's in front of me that needs to be done, and the results up to Him. However, that turns out that's God's will for me. I must keep my magic mind, my mind off my, uh, on my acceptance and off my expectations. For my serenity is directly proportional to a level of acceptance of when I remember this, I can see I've never had it so good. Thank God for AA. Thank God for AA. Page 552, please. He said, in effect, if you have a resentment you want to be free of, if you will pray for that person or the thing that you resent, you will be free. If you will ask in prayer for everything you need and want for yourself to be given to them, you will be free. Ask for their health. Ask for their prosperity, their happiness, and you will be free. Even when you don't really want it for them and your prayers are only words and you don't mean it. Go ahead and do it anyway. Do it every day for two weeks and you will find you have come to mean it and want it for them. And you will realize that where you used to feel bitterness and resentment and hatred, you now feel compassionate, understanding, and love. It worked for me then, and it has worked for me many times since, and it will work for me every time I am willing to work it. Sometimes I have to ask first for the willingness, but it too always comes. And because it worked for me, it will work for all of us. As another great man says, the only real freedom a human being can ever know is doing what you ought to do because you want to do it. This great experience that released me from the bondage of hatred and replaced it with love is really just another affirmation of the truth I know. I get everything I need in Alcoholic Anonymous and everything I need I get. And when I get what I need, I invariably find that it was just what I wanted all the time. Page 100, please. Alrighty. Almost. Here we go. Both you and the new man must walk day by day in a path of spiritual progress. If you persist, remarkable things will happen. When we look back, we realize that there are things which came to us when we were putting ourselves in God's hands much better than anything that we could have planned. Follow the of a higher power and you will presently live in a new, wonderful world, no matter what your present circumstances. Amen. Page 83, please. You're pacing about this phase of our development. We'll be amazed before we're halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom, a new happiness. We will not regret the past or shut the door on it. We will comprehend the worst strain, and we will see how we will know peace, no matter how far down the scale we have gone. We will see how our experiences can benefit others, and that feeling of usefulness and self-pity will disappear. And we will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. 
a whole attitude and outlook to what my life will change. Fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle our situations much used to, uh, which used to baffle us. And we'll suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We, we think not. not. Maybe fulfilled among them sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize and work for them. Amen. Page 85, please. It is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We are headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle fall. We are not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line all we wish. It is the proper use of the will. Pass. Much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from him who has all knowledge and power. If we were carefully to follow the directions, we will have to gather a sense of flow of his spirit into us. To some extent, we become God conscious. We have begun to develop a vital success of but this must, but we must go further, and that means more action. Amen. Page 43. Go ahead and take us home, Rick. Okay. 43. 43. Once more, the alcohol at certain times has no effect on mental defense against its strength. Except for a few rare cases, neither nor any other person or human being can provide that such a defense. This defense must come from a higher power. D.N. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful reading. Let's go ahead and finish off with the Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Keep coming back. It's working because you're worth it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, usually uh, for pancakes on Friday morning, we usually get about... Uh, Oh, 25 people. But they, they, they don't all eat it, you know. Besides. I, I bring some home. And then that's when I get in trouble, when I got too many leftovers. But anyway, it's part of the, part of the danger of doing this. Huh? <laughs> all right, guys. Take care. Have a great weekend. Monday. See you Monday, Rick. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you for attending Alcoholic Anonymous. Fernando, I'm not official. This is not official Alcoholic Anonymous. I'm a member of Alcoholic Anonymous. I'm just the product of a person that, that went to AA, sent by the courts, and I paid attention to the laughter. It worked for me. I stopped drinking eventually. Fernando, alcoholic, let's go ahead and open this meeting with a moment of silence, followed by the serenity prayer, please. God, 
Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may help each other to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting to our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. <clears throat> Does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and to help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. That's what this podcast is all, all about. It's an ele- electronic meeting. I pray that you get inspired, get a dream, and you stop drinking. I did. And this is something that that is timely. I don't think you landed in this meeting by accident. You know, you asked for help. Here it is. Not on your terms. Enough is enough. We hope to wake you up with our testimonies, our stories, and our readings that life is not over yet. When I was 25 years old and sent to AA by the courts, I thought my life was over with. All my dreams, everything. I finally rested in AA and I was kind of like, huh, the storm is over. The impending doom, what I always feared came to pass. Now I was in the uh, in the crazy ward, what I thought, all the worst of the worst. And yet, my higher power was there with open arms waiting for me. Made me a new person. Thank you so much for listening to me. Let's go ahead and uh, continue. Like I said, we did say the serenity prayer. Let's go ahead and move on real quick, like, and we're going to read a story from October 2020, Grapevine, and it's called Safe Landing. It's for newcomers. An old-timer at my home group used to say in a raspy smoker's voice, if you're on a pink cloud, you're going to need a pink parachute. Eventually, I came to realize it was his way of saying, life is going to happen and the steps are that parachute. He was right. One morning, only a month into my sobriety, I woke up to a phone call from my dad informing me that our oldest family dog, Daisy, had passed away. She was old and her death was expected, so I wasn't immediately upset when he told me. Maybe I was still in shock. I showed up for my family and my father, and I took Daisy's body to the crematorium and did what had to be done. It was early in the morning, and I knew my home group would meet at noon, so I would be all right. But things got worse. Just two hours before noon, I got another phone call from a friend who told me that My ex-girlfriend had passed away. I lost it. My mind started racing. Yes, she was a former girlfriend, and she had her own addiction issues, but she had continued to support me in my early recovery. Her last text to me was, Work your program, and you will stop worrying. I will always remember that. Her text came, Work your program, and you will stop worrying. After I got off the phone, I went to visit a friend who is also now in the AA rooms. 
I started to tell her the news and could barely get the words out before I was engulfed in tears. I was losing it. And the only solution I knew at that point to make those feelings go away could be found in a bottle. As I was walking out the front door of my best friend's home, she asked me where I was going. I'm going to the only place I know where I will not do something stupid, I answered. I went straight to my home group at 10.30 to wait for the noon meeting. It happened that the old timer was sitting there on the porch of our AA meeting place. I will call him Skip. I told Skip what had happened. I said my morning was about as great as a bad country song. All I wanted to do was to make these feelings go away with a bottle of whiskey. Skip then gave me some of the best advice I have ever gotten in AA. He told me to get on my knees and thank God. He must have seen the shock on my face. Thank God for the time you got with the dog and the girlfriend because it was not guaranteed, he said. His advice didn't make sense to me at that moment. I wanted to be angry and not feel my feelings, but I did what he said. I should mention that at that time, I was involved in step three work with my sponsor just a few days earlier. I had made the decision and prayed for the first time in a long time. I had a solution, but I also felt I had no mental defense right then against the first drink. But it turns out I had done the next right thing. By going early to my home group where an alcoholic with experience was waiting to reach out his hand and help me, in speaking with Skip, I had reaffirmed that AA is a spiritual solution for someone suffering from a spiritual malady. I don't believe in coincidence anymore. I believe that as long as I do the next right thing, my higher power will always be there showing me the way when I really need help. Like the things that just happened with me, going to a place where I wouldn't drink, the old timer who was waiting on the porch, and the words in my ex-girlfriend's text. Here I am now, a little over two years sober, working the steps. I want to carry the message, and that message is this. There's absolutely no good reason to take a drink, no matter what life throws at us to knock us off our pink cloud. We will see people not making it in sobriety, and we will even attend funerals the longer we continue to do this thing. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Every time I think about my ex-girlfriend, I receive a reminder of what will happen if I let up on this wonderful spiritual program of action and forget to strap on my parachute. Jeremy S. from Baltimore, MD. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you. Beautiful story. And that, folks, reaffirms what I'm always saying, Fernando Alcoholic, to thank God for my DUIs. Thank God for the the sloppiness of my life. Thank God for all the stupid ass things I've done in life. I thank you, God, for all those. Only God can heal my heart heal the situation, and make it better. And we learn a lesson from it. We, be, we become better at reaching out for others. In page 124 of the AA Big Book says that 
our darkest past will alleviate the hurts of the new families coming in and we will be able to help them. Amen. Okay, uh, one more story from Gatineau, Quebec. Mother's Little Helper. I'm a mother of two boys, ages six and four. I am also an alcoholic, sober just a little more than one year. Neither of these things are easy on their own, but combined, well, let's just say I feel as though I'm tested to the max every single day. At 37, I can say life feels better than ever now that that I'm sober, though that's not to say it isn't also incredibly challenging, frustrating, and exhausting. But now that I don't drink, I actually feel and acknowledge all of it. Sobriety in and out of itself is a challenge and a journey, one that's different from each of us. But my journey includes the stress of raising two energetic children. Parenting is a mix of highs and lows. It's full of more worry, pride, and stress than I ever knew was possible. In sobriety, I feel every ounce of that anger when one child isn't doing as he's told. I feel every bit of the incredible exhaustion after a long, stressful day as I prepare for what will probably be a sleepless night. I feel it all. I used to tell myself that because I do such hard work as a mom, I deserve those glasses of wine at the end of the day. I learned them. It was mommy time. I earned them. Our society constantly sends the same message to mothers about alcohol. Messages such as, you deserve a night out and wine o'clock. Wine o'clock. Wine a little. You'll feel better. Or they say, you're worth it. We see alcohol consumption in excess regularly on countless reality shows like Real Housewives, a show about mothers and wives, targeted at an audience of mothers and wives. We hear wine called Mommy's Juice or Mommy's Little Helper. And the other day, I even saw coasters in store that read Mommy's Wine Goes Here. The messaging is strong. We begin to feel being a mother and drinking go hand in hand until it doesn't. Because what happens when you're hungover at 5.30 a.m., but your kids are up for the day? Being a mom never stops, even though the party might. Mothering is the hardest and most important job I will ever do. And alcohol began to overtake that job. When I stopped drinking, I did it for me, first and foremost. But the effects directly benefit my family. I still have difficult parenting moments. And I still want to cry most days about things that happen. But now I don't immediately turn to alcohol for help. I face my feelings and emotions and use various techniques to handle crisis, stress, and exhaustion. And while they may not recognize it now, my children will grow up without seeing their mom drinking to celebrate, relieve stress, relax, and insert various other reasons here. Being able to present myself as a sober mom to them is the best gift I could even give them. The other night, my four-year-old lectured me on drinking pop. He said it wasn't good for me. I looked at him with happy tears in my eyes, silently thanking God for his lecture on pop, on soda. Gratefully, I could unashamedly tell him that it was A-okay. Becca A. from Gatineau, Quebec. Thank you very much for writing that story. 
Amen. Let's go ahead and read today's daily reflections for 18 of September. Thank you so much for coming in here today. I'm a miracle. Wait, no. Love back to recovery. Our whole treasure philosophy of self-sufficiency had to be cast aside. This had not been done with old-fashioned willpower. It was instead a matter of developing the willingness to accept these new facts of living. We neither ran nor fought, but accepted we did, and then we were free. Best of the Grapevine, Volume 1, page 198. I can be free of my old enslaving self. After a while, I recognize and believe in the good within myself. I see that I've been loved back to recovery by my higher power, who envelops me. My higher power becomes that source of love and strength that is performing a continued miracle in me. I am sober and I am grateful. Amen. And now we're going to go walk over and knock on the door on King Solomon's for his daily uh, message to us. See, words of wisdom for the day. That we can put something in our hopper, something to think about all day long, something that, that I'm impressed with and I can't shake it off. And that's uh, words of wisdom. So let's go ahead and say the third step prayer before we start. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those that would help of thy power, of thy love, of thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Amen. Let me walk to his door. Solomon, you up? Can you come out here, please, and give us some words of advice, some wisdom? Back up, everyone. Back up. Give him room. He's going to come out. Here he comes. He's bringing his trusty old leather-bound book. And he begins with Proverbs 18. Wisdom gives life, Solomon says. Number one, an unfriendly person isolates himself and seems to care only about his own issues, for his contempt of sound judgment makes him a recluse. 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 Huh. A little bit went over my head a little bit. Let me do this. Let me go ahead and go back to the Translation I had. New Living Translation. Unfriendly people care only about themselves. They lash out at common sense. Two, fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. Three, doing wrong leads to disgrace and scandalous behavior brings contempt. Four, Wise words are like deep waters. Wisdom flows from the wise like a bubbling brook. It is not right to acquit the guilty or deny justice to the innocent. Six, fools' words get them in constant quarrels. They are asking for a beating. 
Seven, the mouthful fools are their ruin. They trap themselves with their lips. Eight, rumors are dainty morsels that sink deep into one's heart. Nine, a lazy person is as bad as someone who destroys things. Ten, the name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. Eleven, the rich think of their wealth as a strong defense. They imagine it to be a high wall of safety. Haughtiness goes before destruction. Humility precedes honor. Thirteen, spot off before listening to the facts. It is both shameful and foolish. Fourteen, the human spirit can endure a sick body, but who can bear a crushed spirit? Fifteen, intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. Sixteen, giving a gift can open doors. It gives access to important people. Seventeen, the first to speak in court sounds right until the cross-examination begins. Eighteen, flipping a coin can end arguments. It settles disputes between powerful opponents. Nineteen, an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. Wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. The man who finds a wife finds a treasure and he receives favor from the Lord. The poor plead for mercy. The rich answer with insults. There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. Wow. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and finish our day for today, this reading. Let's go ahead and pray out with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back. I'd like to say this one message to, the, to you new people. Don't drink. When I was new and I was driving down the highway, very lonely, Highway 99, going up north, I wanted a drink. I was brand new, and I, I saw this big billboard that came out of nowhere. I was crying out to God, and I saw that billboard saying, Don't drink! Wow, where did that come from? And that's the way it's been ever since. There's a higher power, a wisdom that created the earth that does not want us to tear ourselves up by drinking. There's more to life. There's a substitute, the friendships, the laughter, the joy, the literature, all substance that a human being needs for a wonderful life. The alcohol, it, that was just a means of trying to find God. We found God in the rooms and the stories of other members of Alcoholic Anonymous. Have a great day, family. Give them heaven. Fernando, alcoholic. <laughs>